Granada in Spain is one of the most fascinating places in a country full of fascinating places. It's not just the home of some of the strongest gypsy and flamenco traditions, but also the land of the former emirate of Granada and of the caliphate of Cordoba, a crossroads of civilization at the foot of the mountains and the juncture of four rivers and not far from the Mediterranean Sea. That's where Larabello is from. Welcome to episode 7 of the Origen Podcast. This week we speak with Lara Bello, singer, composer and writer of beautifully crafted, delicate, poetic and sonically inviting songs. Her artistic development in Granada led her to stretch boundaries and yet her music remains to me Spanish in a subdued and intimate way. We talk about her move to New York, her writing process, and how she keeps herself motivated to create new worlds with her music. Hi, Lara Bello. Hi, Pablo. Where are you? I'm in Harlem, in New York. Harlem, New York. How are you doing? How is life? Well, I'm doing well, considering how is the world. I think, um, I mean, now it's been already more than two months or something, so I feel myself sometimes getting a little bit more anxious because at the beginning of the quarantine I felt like okay this you know we have to stay home but then the time passes <laughs> and it's a little bit more like ah it's too much but yeah trying to do my best trying to to work to write some music even if I do it slower than I would do oh I don't feel so 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 inspired now but trying to do my best. I love your music. So are you writing songs that have to do with what you're living through? Or that must be fascinating to, to be able to write as well as you do. Well, I've been writing some things, but just like little ideas or, or these songs just to share with other musicians while, you know, at home. I, I didn't write like a proper song for these times, more like little sketches and funny things. Or, yeah. Do you ever write in English? Well, I did, not so much, but in Sikame, there is a little bit, like one song in English with some, and another song that is a mix between English and Spanish, and I'm trying to write more in English. I discovered last, when I was, when I was writing for, for Sikame, that album, how different is to write in English, because the poetry is not the same that in Spanish, like the metaphors and this kind of, this concept of writing some metaphors about, I don't know, then I, I tried to translate it to English and I, and I understood that the approach is totally different. So, so that was very interesting. I, I'm trying to still learn. Wow, what, what, about, what a moment to do it. What's the process for you when you write? You know, I hear, I hear some, uh, you know, unusual harmonies or you let yourself go. How, how do you marry the, the words with your sense of uh, chord progressions and, and, and harmonies and that sort of stuff? When I started my music, like w the songs that you will hear in Niña Pez, for example, I knew about music because I was studying in the conservatory, but they, I was not learning like the chords as they are written like in jazz, no? So I have to figure out just note by note that. So I think now with a little bit more knowledge, I kind of try to also feel the song and I don't, I don't rationalize so much like the, the, the whole song. Sometimes I'm just working the melody and then I try to, to see which harmony will go with that or 
put the melody in, in weird spaces because I have this weird thing <laughs> in me. So yeah, I just I, I I'm a person that musically I'm less technical and more feeling the thing. So go go more by emotions and by what moves me. So I think that's why the songs are like this. I was I'm hearing what you what, what you call you call it weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm here. it's like, oh, wow, that's an interesting place to go, you know. And so, yeah, it's very, uh, it's intuitive. I mean, it, that, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. to start first talking about Nina Pes huh. uh, because that in a way is what what got you out of Spain and into New York and it's an album that really um, does address a musical language that has to do with New York and with jazz so um, tell me what where where were you at when you started working on on, on Nina Pes um, well I was basically switching from my dancing career because I was studying dance and working as a dancer uh, to, to, to singing and, and writing songs that because I was already also studying voice and violin and, and music but I was not working on music itself so so Niña Pez is the album that I put together in that album my first songs so there there is a there are very different <laughs> Between them, um, I was very interested in jazz and I was learning jazz in Barcelona. Some of those songs were, I, I'm from Granada, but some of those songs were written in Barcelona. Um, so I was also experimenting because I was starting to know more jazz chords or, or that, those things. So, um, but at the same time, I didn't feel myself like a jazz, jazz singer because what I like to do is just write songs and bring a little bit of those colors of jazz and also bring a little bit of those colors of a little flamenco or, or other musics from Spain. So I find Niña Pez like just my presentation card of what I was doing until then. It's a great record. And, and you have the... Um uh, uh, arrangements by Angel Andres Muñoz, Spanish musician I didn't know, but he's wonderful and he does great stuff on that album. Uh, do you write? Do you did you write with him, or did did he come in after you your your songs were were done? Well, I, I had already the songs, but bef before I met him, which in, in he's from Cordoba, the south of Spain, and he's very known there. But he's one of these person that. I mean, he worked with, with Vicente Amigo and all these people, but he's not that person that he likes to go out so much. So not so many people know him like outside Spain. But so I was really looking forward to, to, to meet him. And, and I 
gave my music to him and he liked it very much but but I have to say that my first arrangement so bef before I met him I had another band and some of the songs were played a little bit more in a funky vibe or something that wasn't so subtle so he he helped me to get that uh, subtle vibe um, a more intimate vibe to some of the songs so the songs were already there but he put a lot of his his influence in on, on them that's wonderful. So that's Nina Pez from 2009. And I wanted to ask you, there is one song in there because I'm, I'm detecting some tango in there since I'm a tango detective. Um, and you yeah, have something called true. Arrabalera. And I thought, well, maybe that yeah. means something else to you, to somebody in Spain. But no, it, it seems like there's there's an enormous amount of tango in there. What Do you remember what the motivation was for that? Well, actually... It's nothing to do that I knew anything about tango in that moment. It's just because I wrote these, these words about the eyes, like I like the eyes of this person. And when I was thinking about a melody, um, it came a little bit like that, with that ryth rhythmic. Uh, so I think Angel Andres and I, we decided, okay, maybe it has a little bit of a tango vibe. Also, well, coming from two people that we don't really play tango, so... <laughs> So I'm sorry, Pablo, I don't know if we made some mistakes or something <laughs> in the tango. But yeah, it came it came just like, you know, out of just poetry, imagination, not not really about knowledge of of this idea of I want to do something with the tango. It's just it was that album is very naive. So it comes just about, you know, like how you dream the things. And then maybe you have other albums that are more like, OK, you thought through what you want to say. Nadie los veía y encontraron un trozo de pasión y echa tu beso a volar. I have to say, the first time I was in Spain, it was in Granada. Um, oh, yeah, wow. what an incredible uh, place in the world. I was I was looking at the map today and and oh my God, there's so much in there, so many interesting historic cities and so much culture. What that trip did for me is introduce me to the idea of Nuevo Flamenco. And mm -hmm. in a way, coming from a tradition like tango, where Nuevo Tango means Piazzola, I, I was very curious about Nuevo mm -hmm. Flamenco. And I hear that in some of your recordings and some of your performances, some of your musicians. And how does that work for a musician coming up in Spain, having the flamenco tradition, which sometimes feels almost alien but it's 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 a world yeah. into itself and nuevo flamenco seems more approachable more open more cosmopolitan uh, less about the the strength of, of of the tradition um how did that feel for you in nuevo flamenco and, and all that movement well i really like it i like all the artists that they try to experiment and take things to new levels or some personal levels or some new ideas that I didn't hear before. I know it's a little bit tricky because some of the flamenco, as they are called, purists, <laughs> puristas, 
they 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 don't like that even though flamenco also was made because of a bunch of different influences there is nothing pure really in anything everything is a mix so, but i i really like it and i i like to see how each of the new flamencos they they put themselves in that and it's very inspiring for me Granada is a city that there is flamenco, I mean, not everywhere, of course, it's not like you go in the street, but sometimes you go in the streets and there is also mostly in the old neighborhood, which is, is where my mother lives. Uh, my mother also is a person that she loves, she loves flamenco, so we hear a lot of flamenco in my house. And, and I studied flamenco dancing before I was singing, so for many years I used to go to the... Um, Sacromonte, I don't know if you know that area, some caves. In Granada there is an area that is called Sacromonte, it's a typical area where they sent all the gypsies in the old times. And, and now there are some schools there, so I had my best teacher, she was teaching there, so for many years I was learning there, so, so I had the flamenco even, I, would, I mean, I sang the flamenco when I was a kid, but just for fun, because my mother played a lot of music and, and we love Enrique Morente and all this, uh, Lebrijano, like many, many of the old guys. But, but I never sang like professionally, but I, I, I've been surrounded by that. So when I started with my songs, I found I didn't want to be a flamenco, flamenco singer. Uh, I didn't feel it so much. I felt more like trying to find my language and in my language, of course, there are some roots that comes from that. The same that there are some songs that have something of the Arabic culture because I work a lot with Arabic people there, Moroccan mostly. And you you studied uh, cante flamenco as well or just dance or is there a separation? Yeah, I studied cante flamenco later on in, in with some teachers there because I like it. It's funny because I studied cante flamenco at the same time that I was studying classical singing at the conservatory so I have this kind of <laughs> two sides in my life at some point so so that also is part of me like the classical music that I loved to sing also there are some songs like Nana de Chocolate y Leche is one song that is in Primero Amarillo the melody is very weird it's like more classical vibe um, I think everything that I've done, everything that I've learned somehow is a little influence, like a little puzzle in what I do with my music. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little more about your classical studies, because there's something about your voice that if you don't know that detail, uh, it doesn't quite make sense. Uh, you have a trained voice, but you don't have a, an operatic voice. What was your classical uh, background? Well, I studied in the conservatory of classical music. Um, I, st I started studying violin, then I switched voice there. Yes, I was studying classical, like all the, you know, I was soprano, like with coloratura, like this high thing. I loved it really, If I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I loved it. Then it was, I was good at it. Like I could have continued with that, but at the same time, it was like, everything else in my life I needed to find my own path to express myself so somehow I couldn't commit to have a life just to do that but but it was fun I really liked it Entre jazmines en flor se esconden ganas de bailar también los besos que me dan mientras la noche no refresca los pies me quedo 
quedo sin saber si es que la luna va a salir o si hoy me quedo sin dormir mientras el tiempo se ha parado también. You moved to New York almost right after that, right? You, you made Niña Pez and you moved to New York and, and uh, you started working with a lot of the musicians that New York is f famous for, you know, gathering. Um, and by the time you make your next record in 2012, Primero Amarillo, Después Malva, um, I see a oh. lot of people that I know. There is another tango, as far as I know. There's the, 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 with Hector del Curto in there. Um, let me tell you. Which one? Which one? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Horizonte, no? Yeah. Horizonte and Yuma Lala. And one of those tunes is a traditional tune. Can you tell me about that? Yes, it's actually it's the same tune. I just I just rename it as Horizonte. Uh, the the song is called Yumalala. It's a traditional song from Syria. It's because in 2010 uh, the embassy of Spain invited me uh, to to go to Damascus to a jazz festival to perform with our music, and I had also Angel Andres coming with me and Samuel Torres. So we were going in a trio. And the, the embassy asked me if I wanted to sing some songs together with a very, very incredible, famous singer from there. Her name is Lena Chamamian. So we got together a few days before and we exchanged some songs. And one of the songs that she showed me was this called You Malala, which I really love it. So I, I wrote some, some lyrics, lyrics in Spanish. Actually, I didn't know the meaning in Arabic. I didn't want to know. I wrote in Spanish. And then when I shared with Lena, she said that the meaning was very similar. So it was funny how we captured. Well, anyway, so Lena, she sings mostly Arabic songs, but she's in love with tango. <laughs> so so when, when Samuel Torres did the arrangements for this album, Primero Amarillo, Después Malva, I invited Lena to sing with me in that song. And, and we decided to give a little vibe of tango, like a subtle tango there also um, with the instrumentation, just because Lena would love it. So, yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I recognize Hector del Curto's sound also. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's beautiful. Um, and so, well, tell, tell me about your experience in New York. I mean, you, you came with, uh, you had just switched in, into commitment into music and you run into this incredible community of musicians. How, how did you find yourself in, in New York? Um, well, it, it, was, it was funny because when I came here, I already released my first album. I, I already, I won some prizes as singer-songwriter in Spain, but at the same time, even though I have many singer-songwriters friends there, like there were a little bit of this polemic every time I went to one of these contests because they were saying, you are not really a singer-songwriter. Your songs are very weird. <laughs> so so even, though, even though, you know, like, I mean, Spain is a place with, you know, many musicians, great musicians, but Sometimes I felt I was doing something a lot in, be in between. So they were a lot of asking me, what are you doing? Are you a singer-songwriter? Are you just a singer? 
I said, I don't know, I just do my music, that's it. So when I came to New York, I felt less judged. I found musicians that they just were happy to play something new, different, with different colors, something personal. And that was, a, that I, I love that, you know, like great musicians like Luis Perdomo, that I, I met him and I know he goes around the world playing with to great festivals and and then he's like so happy to play my songs and he finds them he exactly this idea of something that you cannot classify is something that they love here in New York that's very New Yorker so yeah I found myself I like that of, of this city You're in New York. You're you're free to do what you feel and and explore it. And obviously, um, you're surrounded by great musicians. And um, tell me about the process leading to Sikame, because um, there really uh, there is a star-studded cast in the album, but yet everybody is working for your songs and to and to uh, and, and to provide for you um i know that you work with uh, gil goldstein and gil has his own story with the with the flamencos and the nuevo flamencos he did a lot of stuff with jorge pardo and 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 that whole crowd so tell me about that process how did how did you come to put that uh, the songs together and how did how was it working with gil well, I started to work in Sikame after I finished Primer Amarillo, después Malva. The music there is a little bit more complicated. Even the stories and the lyrics are more like, some of them are very dark. <laughs> and now I see, oh my God, how I did I go to those places? But I was in a process of my life. Um, and then Sikame was like, I wanted, I started to work in some songs that they were more light, like uh, a little bit less weight the lyrics were softer it was a little bit like okay i want to find more the the you know once once you take out the garbage inside you you want just to leave the essence of the thing which is the essence is always simple so i want to make something simple so well i wrote half of the songs and then there were other songs that i wanted to include Two of them, uh, I, I went uh, to Richard's Bona studio. Actually, I went, I went to bring a father. I, I wanted us to play a father together, but Richard always wants to do whatever he wants to do. So then he, he said, record this. And he started to play, so kind of improvising there. So he made like two songs and then he said, put lyrics to this. And he thought I was not going to do it. I did it. And I include them in my album also. He, he's playing there. And then there was this beautiful song by Lionel Lueke that he or, there were other musicians that they did versions of this song, but I, I really loved it. And, and Lionel was also a person that I really admire and I had the opportunity to meet. And, and, and he, he liked to give names to people in, in phone language, uh, in his language. So one time I asked him, okay, which, which name will you give to me? And he called me Sikame. That means the soul of the gold, like the what is inside of the gold. So, so I chose that song of him and I renamed it Sikame and made some Spanish lyrics. And so then uh, after working with Gil, there were a couple of songs that came that was uh, um, 
one of his songs, uh, Farfalla, a song that he used to play with Jorge Pardo and Carles Benavent, and also another song by Carles that I, I've been listening to that song for my whole life. That song doesn't have lyrics, so I wanted to, wrote, to write some lyrics for, for that song. I don't know. So it's a mix of, <laughs> it's a mix of my influence, and then Gil po put a little bit of his influences. So it was fun. It was nice. Todo cuentan que del oro nace el corazón de un pájaro del sur. También dicen que mientras vuela va dejando caer ese oro en forma de más escondidos son aquellos que se encuentran más cerca al corazón y si el pájaro vuela cerca donde se entierra con you mentioned earlier about the writing process now and and since we all are looking at very long stretches of time without performances and who knows what's going to happen to the recording industry after all of this, and yet you are writing new songs. So tell me about that. I mean, you, you said you were writing some scraps of things about what, what, what's feeling. How, how is that working out? Well, it's working well. I mean, I, 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 have, I have a specific project that is going to be my next album. It's a little bit ambitious because it has some poetry, some writing uh, besides the music. So it's not only music. So I'm, yeah, it's a little bit too much maybe. Is that a, co um, a commission so I, or something you decided to? No, it's something do. that I decided. Like, you commissioned yeah. yourself. I commissioned myself. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm trying to work most of the time, even though sometimes just for fun, I wrote all the things or just because uh, some ideas come. Well, I try to put uh, some time every day working on that. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, sometimes I'm a little bit distracted. And also, I don't know, these days... You know, there are many things happening out there, so we cannot, as an as artists, we cannot force ourselves to say, okay, now I have to, you know, like be there and write. And I, I also talk to many friends of mine because, you, you know, when the quarantine started, you saw many artists going online and doing a lot of things. But the other side, the, the other side is many artists, they didn't have the energy to do that, so... You know, like also the social media show us just the beautiful face of everything and you feel anxious. Oh my God, I'm not doing anything. So I try to push a little bit myself, um, but yeah, no, not too much. Sola, abro mi brazo, siento que el viento me lleva. El universo inunda mi alma con estrella y poco a poco pierdo el miedo de volar. Dejo que lo más bello de este mundo me ilumine. De entre mis pechos nacen miles de Hacemos una, una sección en español para hacer vale, sí. edición bilingüe. Cuando tú llegas de España a New York, un lugar donde te, te sientes cómoda, te sientes como que puedes expresarte de tu manera, sin quizás la presión de una tradición o de definirte como tu gente ahí. Eh, háblame de esa sensación de estar en New York. ¿Te sentiste más española, menos española? Eh, eh, ¿Cómo...? 
¿Cómo te redondeó eso? ¿Cómo, cómo, qué, qué, ¿Qué pasó con, con, con tu identidad cuando llegaste a New York? Yo pienso que cuando, o lo he visto también reflejado en otra, otro artista, cuando uno llega a Nueva York con toda la mezcla que hay, con lo grande que es la ciudad y uno es tan pequeño y se pierde, hay cierta tendencia a tirar un poquito más hacia las raíces. Uh, por lo menos, bueno, yo siempre he sido, como dicen por ahí, muy granadina, porque siempre he tirado de mis raíces ya desde que estaba en España, siempre no era todo en mi música, era así. Pero cuando estás aquí, pues también, aparte de ser granadina, pues tiene esa melancolía un poco. Entonces, también puedes ver algunas cosas desde la distancia o incluso puedes ver las cosas desde otros ojos porque estás fuera y ves cómo la gente que no es de allí mira lo que es de allí, ¿no? Entonces puedes elegir eh, qué cosas te gustan de lo que se ve, cuáles no te gustan, cómo tú lo ves desde fuera, no sé. Imagino que salir de, de, de tu ciudad pues abre mucho la mente y más a un sitio como Nueva York con tanta gente. Así que yo pienso que en mi caso sí, sí que... Aunque yo ya era muy de allí y mi proyecto era de allí, pero también me ayudaba a seguir investigando, a seguir apreciando lo que tenía, lo, de dónde venía, un sitio tan bonito. A mí Nueva York me gusta por la música, pero tengo que decir que la ciudad era demasiado grande cuando llegué. <ríe> y entonces yo echaba de menos también una ciudad más pequeña, así como más hecha de piedra, ¿no? con, con una base con un poquito más de una historia más antigua, como los edificios de allí de Granada. Así que creo que sí, que a mí, me, a mí sí que me ha ayudado, me ha servido para seguir mirando hacia adentro y ver quién soy y de dónde vengo. ¿Y te acercaste a algún repertorio cuando llegaste a New York que no habías explorado, algún repertorio en especial, o, eh, o siempre, siempre trabajaste con tu propia música? ¿Te acercaste a algún... Algún, algo más tradicional o... Ha habido, ha habido va, dos proyectos que han venido de aquí. Antes de mudarme a Nueva York, yo ya había venido de visita y trabajaba con unos amigos de Israel que tenían proyectos sefardí. Y entonces yo grababa música, sobre todo yo grababa para proyectos de otra gente, grababa eh, eh, coros para otros proyectos o incluso escribía algunos poemas que luego han estado en algunos proyectos así de artistas de estos así del pop judío y cosas así. Entonces sí que estando aquí eh, se me ha pedido por parte del, del Instituto Cervantes que hiciese un repertorio de música sefardí, que, que, que hice un concierto, que ha estado viajando por ahí también. Y luego una vez que llegué a Nueva York también hay mucha gente aquí, sobre todo la comunidad latinoamericana, hay mucha gente que sigue la obra de Federico García Lorca, del poeta de Granada. Y bueno, pues cuando llegué a una comunidad me llamó porque se organizaban en Harlem las rutas de Lorca en Nueva York, donde se visitaban diferentes lugares de Harlem donde él había estado. Y se me invitaba a que en algunos puntos concretos, mientras la gente hacía el paseo, pues yo aparecía cantando algunas de las canciones tradicionales españolas que Lorca recopiló. De ahí también nació un pequeño disco hacia dúo que hice con Eric Kurimsky, que, que ese disco básicamente surgió pues porque en la ruta de Lorca nos pidieron que si grabábamos algo y, y bueno, y Aris tocaba las canciones de Lorca con un toque así peruano y también me pareció bonito esa pequeña fusión 
Así que sí que también, incluso por ser de Granada, pues aquí se me ha pedido, ¿no? Como determinados proyectos que son concretamente de allí, de España, para promocionar la cultura de allí, aquí. En algunas otras entrevistas yo he oído que nosotros los latinos a veces entramos dentro de un espacio estereotipado. Ah, tú eres española, viene a cantar flamenco, ah. el argentino viene a hacer tango. Pero por otro lado nos abre oportunidades de explorar nuestra propia música. O sea, yo me hice especialista en el tango aquí en, en Estados Unidos. Es algo que me hizo, más allá de la identidad, es la demanda. La gente te pide y tú lo vas aprendiendo, sí. lo vas haciendo mejor, vas conociendo a los artistas. Sí, eso es verdad. Hay, hay una cosa también, y es que allí en España, bueno, ya cada vez se conoce más, pero en esa época que yo me vine no había tan, tanto así en los festivales, tanto conocimiento de la gente de la calle de música latinoamericana como puede ser música peruana, o sea, después se conocía salsa y cosas así, ¿no? Pero algo más profundo. Y muchas músicas que tienen cierta relación con el flamenco, con la música española, ¿no? Incluso músicas de Perú tienen relación con la jota aragonesa, cosas así, ¿no? Entonces, incluso estar aquí en este punto intermedio con Latinoamérica te hace conocer, o me ha hecho conocer músicas que no son de donde yo vengo, pero que han sido parte de un viaje y que me ayuda a conocer cómo se ha expandido esa música de, 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 mi, de mi tierra, ¿no? Hacia otros lugares y todas se han influido de una forma o de otra. Origen Podcast was produced by yours truly, Pablo Aslan, for the Origen Collective, a diverse group of New York-based Latinx artists. Please subscribe and visit our archives for more conversations with multifaceted and fascinating artists from all over the pan-Latin world.